Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. Good Sabbath. Designation from the beginning. What did Yahweh call, considered to be food for us as far as uh, what we as a generally here in the assembly consider what is clean and unclean food and what we are to eat and uh, it's going to be a continuation potentially a three-part series regarding hunger and what we consider as I said food so this is going to be more related to the physical eating based on what Yahweh word Yahweh's word states and I'll be going over the general belief like I said of the this assembly and it's I believe very important for those of all ages and all stages in their walk with Yahweh to defend what we believe and to know why we believe what we do. So apologetics, uh, real quick, it's an important topic that's not always known or understood by everyone that believes in the Bible. So basically, it is the reasoned arguments for what someone believes. So let's go over a few verses that support apologetics. Uh, Acts 17.11 uh, speaking of the Berean Jews that uh, Paul and Silas met in the synagogue, uh, now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, and they examined the scriptures daily to see if the things were so. And then in 1 Peter 3.15, In your hearts, honor Messiah the Master as holy, always being prepared to make a defense for anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. And Colossians 4, 6, uh, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Then 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scripture is breathed out by Yahweh and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And so the idea of eating only biblically clean animals or food is kind of an important topic for me. While my family and I were in the Weatherford area a few years ago, uh, we came into fellowship of a former Baptist church. But they had changed from a lot of their beliefs to uh, actually honoring the Sabbath, the feasts, and many of the laws of Yahweh, except when it came to eating unclean foods and a few other select laws. So I presented an unintentional challenge to the pastor there. I had asked him what his stance was on clean, eating clean foods according to scripture. So he went from Genesis to Paul's letters, thoroughly explaining why we can eat whatever we want. So quickly, after that one-sided conversation, several sermons were given about why anyone with a strong appeal to eat biblically clean was effectively in sin. So. Needless to say, my family and I soon left after that. So that span of time led me to study this topic out and write extensively. And this is only a portion of that. So we'll look in the Old Testament this time for the meats of the apologetics of our general doctrine at this assembly. And these verses in context should also be some food for thought to those who can say we eat whatever we want since Yahweh cleansed all animals, and Yeshua declared all things clean. In quotes, of course, but we'll also look at the, we'll be looking at the everlasting commands in the Old Testament. So, 
to give some background, let's go through Genesis 2, and the first instance is of the word food. So in Genesis 2, verse 9, out of the ground, Yahweh Elohim made every tree to grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then skipping down to verse 15, uh, Yahweh Elohim took the man, put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. Yahweh Elohim commanded the man saying, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but you shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in that day that you eat of it, you will surely die. So Yahweh just provided a garden named Eden. It is in this garden that Yahweh placed Adam and Eve to cultivate it and to keep it. The first law that Yahweh commanded all humanity was regarding what is and what is not to be eaten. Skipping ahead to Genesis 3, now the serpent was more subtle than any animal of the field which Yahweh Elohim uh, had made and he said to the woman, as Elohim really said, you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we can eat from all the fruit of the trees of the garden, but not the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden. Elohim has said, you shall not eat of it. You shall not touch it, lest you die. So Eve was deceived by the serpent, and she also added a few extra words to Yahweh's command not to eat, when she stated, if we even touch it, we'll die. Whether that is true or not, it's not recorded when it was written down what Yahweh had actually said. And then going to verse six, uh, when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and it was a delight for the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. Uh, she took some of the fruit, she ate it, she gave some to her husband with her, he ate it too. Their eyes were opened, and then they both knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So it's required at this time, only vegetation was to be eaten, except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is prior to the flood, and the curse against the land that Adam and Eve would receive. Uh, we don't know exactly when the toxicity of the plants come into play, but we do know that there are many plants we don't need to eat in our current state of the world. So in Genesis 7, in the loading of the ark, and Yahweh said to Noah, come you and all your house into the ark, for you I have seen righteous before me in this generation. Of every clean beast you shall take to you by sevens, the male and his female, and of the beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. Of the fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. There's no distinction between seven pure of the clean animals and only two of the mice and the jaguars and whatever else you may have. We also need to keep, keep in mind of there is that distinction between the clean and the unclean here in Genesis 7 when Yahweh called all the animals to be brought onto the ark. And so, like I said, this is just the distinction early on, what is clean and unclean. But in this translation, I love it, the Living Bible. Uh, I don't use it a lot of times, but has a little bit extra to it, uh, although I don't believe the Hebrew original language doesn't specify the reason the clean animals were taken on the ark, but it does state a distinction for the clean animals. As you can see, those kinds I have chosen for eating and for sacrifice. 
which when you get into Leviticus, you'll see all the priestly aspects of it. It's always with a clean animal. It's always with the cows, the, the sheep, the goats, the doves, everything chosen by Yahweh for eating and sacrifice. And then in Genesis 8.20, Noah built the altar to Yahweh and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered offerings on the altar. So it's recorded that Noah built an altar to Yahweh and sacrificed clean animals. And many Bible scholars will say that the Israelites were the first ones to be instructed of the difference between clean and unclean animals as food and what is not. If that's the case, how would Noah know to identify the clean from the unclean in order of sacrifice? So there were seven pairs of clean animals and seven pairs of the clean birds. So when you look at the Levitical sacrifice, you can almost look at it like a kind of a solemn barbecue. So people are eating of the sacrifice and it was probably a very similar instance with Noah. And so moving on to Genesis 9 and verse 1, uh, Elohim blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, the fear of you and the dread of you will be on every animal of the earth and on every bird of the sky. Everything that moves along the ground and all the fish of the sea are delivered into your hands. Every moving thing that lives will be food for you. Hmm. As I have given you the green herb, I have given everything to you. So let's look a little bit more at verse 3. Every moving thing that lives will be food for you. As Yahweh has given the green herb, he has given everything to you. Just about every English translation states, every moving thing that lives will be food for you. Many lexicons and concordances define the Hebrew word remez as lizard, uh, as creeping thing, beast of the earth, or in this instance, every moving thing. So I'll not be spending a whole lot of time on the moving things, but actually spending a little more time on the plants. So as Yahweh has given every moving thing, he has given us the green plants. So keep things in context when you're asked about your faith and what you believe. Just as every green herb or plant isn't good for you to eat, not all animals are good for eating. There are a small list of numbers here that it's generally not advised to eat and some let alone touch. So we'll go through some of these. Uh, some of these we shouldn't even touch, so let's run, run through a few of these and provide some quick information why we don't eat from this list before we get to the animals that we don't eat based on our understanding of scripture. Water hemlock. There's a nice pretty picture. It's in the carrot family and every part of it is toxic of, to the point of being fatal especially if the stalk and the roots are eaten. Deadly nightshade. This is one of the most deadly plants that somebody can consume. The dark cherry-like fruit, they're sweet, but are a danger to eat. This is native to North Africa, Europe, and the Western Middle East. White snake root almost looks like the water hemlock. Uh, it is found in Central and Eastern North America. Lily of the Valley. It's a plant found in Europe and Asia above the equator. The toxins are able to cause blurred vision and a number of heart-related reactions that can, cause, uh, that can lead to being fatal, that even a grown man will fall upon eating it. Rosary pea is native to Asia and Australia. 
but has been introduced to the Polynesian Islands, Hawaii, and here in the mainland United States. And then oleander, uh, it's a beautiful flower, but has a toxin that can cause problems in the digestive system, the heart, and the central nervous system. And tobacco. So this is a plant where many of you know is the material for cigarettes, cigars, and pipes. Nicotine is the most dangerous chemical of the plant and it can pass from the live green plants into the skin. It's because of this easy absorption that it can be very hazardous for workers in the tobacco industry who may handle the live plants with their bare hands. And then my favorite is the manchineal tree. Uh, it's found in Florida and other tropical climates and it is a tree you don't want to be found underneath in a rainstorm. The toxins it contains is all over the plant and it will dissolve into the rain and it is even toxic to the touch. So as a recap, as Yahweh gave the green herbs, he gave every living thing to you. So please use common sense when you look at all animals being food, just as you should use common sense when you look at all the plants around you. So now for the section of scripture that everyone may have thought of or maybe even turned to at the beginning of this message. So if you'll turn with me to Leviticus, Leviticus 11, all the scriptures I'll be going up will be up on the screen. So we'll be reading through most of the chapter. And Yahweh spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying to them, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, These are the living things that you may eat among all the animals that are on the earth. Whatever parts the hoof and is cloven-footed and chews the cud among the animals, you may eat. Nevertheless, among those that chew the cud or part the hoof, you shall not eat these. The camel, because it chews the cud but does not part the hoof, it is unclean to you. And the rock badger, because it chews the cud but does not part the hoof, it is unclean to you. And the hare, or the rabbit, is unclean to you uh, because, it does not, because it chews the cud but does not part the hoof. And the pig, because it parts the hoof and is cloven-footed but it does not chew the hoof, or sorry, chew the cud, it is unclean to you. You shall not eat any of their flesh and you shall not touch their carcasses. They are unclean to you. Moving on to Leviticus 11 verse 9. These you may eat of all that are in the waters, everything in the waters that has fins and scales, whether in the seas or in the rivers, you may eat. But anything in the seas or the rivers that does not have fins and scales of the swarming creatures in the waters and of the living creatures that are in the waters is detestable to you. You shall regard them as detestable. You shall not eat any of their flesh, and you shall detest their carcasses. Everything in the waters that does not have fins and scales is detestable to you. So of the, of the swimming creatures, we are instructed only to eat what has fins and scales. So whales, lobster, catfish, eels are only a small portion of the ocean and lake dwellers that we are told is not to be considered food for us. Then the birds. So these you shall detest among the birds. They shall not be eaten. They are detestable. In some translations, an abomination. 
The eagle, the bearded vulture, the black vulture, the kite, the falcon of every kind, every raven of every kind, the ostrich, the nighthawk, the seagull, the hawk of any kind, the little owl, the cormorant, the short-eared owl, the barn owl, the tawny owl, the carrion vulture, the stork, the heron of any kind, the hoopoe, and the bat. So, of the airborne creatures, this is a list of the animals that we are not to eat. So, birds in the provided list, nine through, uh, or 19, so up to the 19, uh, those in that list, we're not to be eating. And as well, similar families of those animal kinds, uh, sorry, as well, similar families and animal kinds should not be eaten. So, with the example ostrich here, uh, rheas and emus are similar kinds and similar families of the ostrich. So even if it's not specifically on the unapproved list to eat, uh, if it's of that same family of the vultures, the owls, in this case the ostrich, if it's in that same family or the animal kind, it will still be considered unclean. So in my understanding, like I said, if it's not in the family of the listed birds to avoid, it would then generally be permitted to eat according to these verses. So chicken, I know there's some people that question ducks, but we'll not get into that. But anything else that's not on the list or similar, I believe, unless I'm corrected, uh, Yahweh says it's okay to eat. And for the winged insects that go on all fours, they shall be detestable to you. Yet among the winged insects that go on all fours, you may eat those that have jointed legs above their feet. So you can see the grasshopper, crickets, locust, cicadas, all those have the jointed leg above the feet, so which they hop around. Yes, they do have wings, but there is that separation, that distinction, jointed leg above the feet. And of them, you may eat the locust, the bald locust, the cricket, and the grasshopper of any kind, but all other winged insects that have four feet. So bugs in general are unclean. Only specific insects are clean, specifically the crickets, locusts, grasshoppers. If you decide to eat them, that is totally up to you. I won't judge you, but it's not on my menu. And then in verse 24, and by these you shall be unclean. Whoever touches their carcass shall be unclean until the evening. And whoever carries any part of their carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the evening. Every animal that parts the hoof but is not cloven-footed or does not chew the cud is unclean to you. Everyone who touches them shall be unclean, and all that walk on their paws among the animals that go on all fours are unclean. Whoever touches their carcass shall be unclean until the evening. And he whoever carries their carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the evening. They are unclean to you. So and even in this verse, um, you know, back when that, had that conversation in the sermons with the pastor I was under for a short time, uh, he would mention that there was no consequence other than being clean and having to be outside the camp. But you could eat a, a ham sandwich, but you just had to go outside the camp to do it. It was just a total gross misunderstanding and misuse of the scripture. So touching and carrying the unclean and animal carcass have consequences regarding what many consider the Levitical or the ceremonial rituals. I just see it as 
what Yahshua said was one of the two greatest commands, which was Deuteronomy 6, 5, love Yahweh, your Elohim, with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your might. Yahweh says don't do something. Who am I to argue? So, and then moving on to the lizards and other creepy things. And these are unclean to you among the swarming things that swarm on the ground. The mole rat, the mouse, the great lizard of any kind, the gecko, the monitor lizard, the lizard, the sand lizard, and the chameleon. These are unclean to you. Uh, among all those that swarm, whoever touches them when they are dead shall be unclean until the evening. So from this we see lizards, reptiles, amphibians, and things that crawl and swarm, they're going to be unclean to you. I don't think we ever had any takers of, yeah, I want to eat one of those things, but yeah, shouldn't be a big issue for any of us. So jumping over to Leviticus 20, uh, this is another one of my, one of my big arguments that I had of being anything in between Leviticus 11 and Leviticus 16 were only Levitical and whenever Yeshua came, all that was done away with. Uh, still have kind of issues with that, but so Leviticus 20 and verse 22, you shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my rules and do them so that the land where I am bringing you to live may not vomit you out. Very strong words right there. Uh, and you shall not walk in the customs of the nation that I am driving out before you because they did all these things and therefore I detested them. But I have said to you, you shall inherit their land and I will give it to you to possess, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am Yahweh your Elohim who has separated you from the peoples. So the chapter up to this point covered many wicked practices that we see becoming more and more common in today's society. And we can read the scripture on your own, you can read it on your own, where society is in the same cycle as those verses. So sexual perversion, witchcraft, uh, sacrificing your idols to uh, false deities, essentially, uh, whether they name it or not, uh, that's essentially what they're doing and what is uh, previous to this set of verses. And that's what the nations were doing before Yahweh uh, spoke these words that were recorded. Therefore, keep Yahweh's statutes and rules and do them. And verse 25, continuing on from the call to be out from among the nation's practices, you shall therefore separate the clean beast from the unclean and the unclean bird from the clean. You shall not make yourself detestable by beast or by bird or by anything with which the ground crawls, which I have set apart for you to hold unclean. So this is very, very strong words that outside of the Levitical orders, this is how you should live. Do not take part in their customs, which we know reading Judges, reading Kings, Samuel, I mean, all through the, up to the prophets, they did what the nations did. So we're instructed not to make ourselves detestable by anything that Yahweh has set apart to be held as unclean. Be holy as Yahweh is holy. And a call, separation, and a call to be holy as Yahweh is holy. So that you shall be his. 
So a very similar listing of animals that was provided in Leviticus 11 is found in Deuteronomy 14. I'm not going to get into it. Uh, it retells the instructions regarding what's considered to be unclean and not to be eaten, and what is clean and to be eaten. Uh, but there is one verse that does stick out to me in Deuteronomy 14, which is 14 verse 3. You shall not eat any abomination. With such a statement as this, and then have descriptions of what are considered abominations, when would Yahweh, who never changes, change he, why, why would he change his mind about what he calls an abomination? So when we look at num Numbers 23, verse 19, Elohim is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. He has said, will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? So I believe this list reiterated in Deuteronomy 14 is very important for any believer in Yahweh. So, so finishing out this message, message in the Old Testament, uh, many people will look to Isaiah 65 for the last mention of the wicked practice of eating the pigs alongside sacrificing in cemeteries or the tombs. But I kind of like Isaiah 56 a little bit better. Uh, many people will regard eating according to Leviticus 11 being just for the Jews. Uh, they will cite that Yahshua did away with the law and cleansed all foods. Uh, Isaiah 56, for me, is such a beautiful welcoming of all nations to follow after Yahweh, long before Peter's vision in Acts 10. So if you join with me, Isaiah 56, if you're not already there, we're going to follow along here. Thus says Yahweh, keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come and my righteousness will be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, who profane, or not profaning it and keeps his hand from doing any evil. In verse three, let no foreigner who has joined himself to Yahweh say, Yahweh will utterly exclude me from his people and do not let the eunuch say, I'm but a dry tree. For this is what Yahweh says, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose what, to, what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, I will give them in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. So key phrase, those eunuchs who keep this Yahweh's Sabbath, who chooses what pleases Yahweh, and those who hold fast to Yahweh's covenant. Those eunuchs who are faithful to Yahweh will have a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters could offer. And the foreigners who join themselves to Yahweh to minister to him, to love the name of Yahweh and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without profaning it and who hold fast to my covenant, I will bring them to my holy mountain and make him joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all the nations. And thus declares Yahweh Elohim, who gathers the dispersed of Israel, I will gather to them still others besides those already gathered. So finally, we see that all people who join themselves to Yahweh, who love his name and hold fast to his covenant, given back in Leviticus, Exodus, and the Torah, they will be brought to Yahweh's holy mountain, and they will be made joyful 
in his house of prayer, which Yahshua also quoted when he drove out all the sinners in, in the temple. He quoted that. So he offers his covenant to all people who hold strong to the covenant. This biblical faith has always been an inclusive thing. There was a mixed multitude that came from Egypt. Several outside individuals saw the miracles and then joined themselves to Yahweh. And then this passage in Isaiah to include all people. So Yahweh will gather to the dispersed of Israel others besides those who are already gathered in. And we also, through Yeshua, our, our Messiah, through him, we also have been gathered in to take hold of this covenant, this new covenant that will be writing the, the laws on hearts and our minds in flesh instead of on stone tablets. So in all, we see the prophet Isaiah was informed that it was a great and awesome thing to have many people from the nations to worship and honor Yahweh. And this would hold, include holding to the covenant given by Yahweh to the people of Israel. And that covenant also included eating strictly what Yahweh declared would help make a person to be holy as he is holy. So the final word on this message is that for those who join themselves to Yahweh were expected to eat according to the covenant given to Israel. And as we have joined ourselves to Yahweh, I believe we are expected to consider what goes into our bodies. So in closing, strive to be holy as Yahweh is holy. Thank you.